copyright notice. The contents of this podcast, including intro music, are copyright Phantom Femme. The podcast artwork is copyright Isabeau of WAGProductions.org. This labyrinth, justice from the heart of the Phantom of the Opera. Mute. Hello, everyone. This is your erratic podcaster, Phantom Femme, uh, and welcome to episode 23, finally, of In This Labyrinth. And sorry, this is out a bit late. I <laughs> uh, was hoping to have this episode out before Halloween, but obviously that did not happen. Um, Because life, energy, I I find recording takes a lot of energy and I don't always have it, plus marking the last round of my students' assignments, uh, plus some technical difficulties, frankly. Um, And on that note, Apologies if the sound quality on this episode is kind of crappy, and perhaps if the episode itself is not as polished as my usual. I'm having to use some technical workarounds because, as I mentioned, I've been having some technical difficulties, so I'm actually using Zoom to record this episode, and I'm using a different microphone Uh, than usual because I seem to have pissed off my Bluetooth headphones and I haven't gotten them unpissed yet. So, and because I'm using Zoom, um, I seem to be either able to record or not record but not pause. Um, So I'm kind of having to attempt to do this in one take except for my presets. So we'll have to see how this goes. I'm I'm used to using the pause button a lot to um <laughs> the pause, delete and re-record buttons a lot to smooth it over when my brain fries out in the middle of a sentence. So we'll have to see how this goes. Um and again, that's just, you know, why if this episode sounds a little weird and maybe perhaps not as polished and not as good sound quality as my previous ones, that's why. Um, as I said, my I seem to have pissed off my Bluetooth headphones. I'll be able to get them unpissed. I think it's just going to take some fiddling around with. Um, but the other big problem is that, and if any of you are Mac users out there and know what the hell is with this, please, by all means, uh, drop me an email in this labyrinth at yahoo.com. And if you have any answers for why this is the case, I would really be interested to know because I cannot figure it out for the blooming life of me. Um, I might actually have to call the Apple folks or the Geek Squad, I'm not sure. Anyway, I usually, as you know, use GarageBand to record my episodes, Um, but I recently upgraded my operating system first to macOS Catalina and then to Big Sur, and it's fine when I record stuff, just straight up record, but when I drop in my presets, uh, like the copyright notice, the intro music, that stuff, it at least plays them back as though they're on like super fast forward and I can't figure out why. 
ah, excuse me, burping. Like there's there's nothing in the GarageBand settings or my system preferences that tells me what is going on. So yeah, if any of you out there are fellow Mac users, GarageBand users, and have run into that problem as well and know what the hell is with that, I would really be interested to know. Thanks in advance, because as I said, otherwise I'm going to have to um get on the phone to the Apple peeps and or the Geek Squad guys and see if they can tell me what the dickens um, is the case with that. Anyway, um, so that, in addition to all the other stuff, that kind of held up getting this episode out too because I was trying to figure out what the deuces was going on. Um, and I haven't yet, which is also why, as I said, I'm using Zoom. Uh, to record this so I can essentially play my presets live <laughs> um, while I record this. Uh, so we'll have to see if this works. Um, yeah. So first of all, thank everyone again, as always, for tuning in, for tuning back in. It's really awesome. Um, to have everybody, it's really cool to see my download stats go up. I hope that doesn't sound too vain, but it really is cool. Um, and of course, thank those who are new listeners and joining in for the first time. Um, awesome, wonderful, thank you. Oh, and I meant to mention this last episode and I forgot. Um, <laughs> someone out there gave me a lovely a feedback comment via Podbean, but because I'm sort of, I guess, syndicated to Podbean via my uh, Fireside hosting subscription, I didn't actually realize I was syndicated to Podbean through that till I got your lovely comment, but because I'm syndicated through Fireside, not Podbean directly, I cannot for the life of me figure out how to reply to your comment. Um, so... I wasn't being rude in not getting back to you. I just can't figure out how. Um, so if you want to um, tweet at me, um, I'll give all the social media info at the end of the show. If you want to tweet at me or send me an email or drop your comment again on the Fireside uh, site or on the Facebook page, I can get back to you that way. Um, and again, sorry about that. I wasn't being rude. I just couldn't, uh, I, I wanted to get back to you and meant to. Um, I just couldn't quite figure out how because when I tried to um, reply to you, it um, it wanted me to log into Podbean. And of course, I don't have one. So I kind of got stumped there. Anyway, yeah, I meant to put that call out at, you know, last episode and I forgot to do it. So I wanted to make sure I um, attended to that uh, this time. So, hmm, do I have any other uh, housekeeping stuff that I wanted to... No, I don't think that I do. So... Because this was supposed to be my Halloween episode, and even though we're long past Halloween, I think it still works. I wanted to kind of dig into the mythological roots of Phantom. I've talked a lot in previous episodes about its some of its sort of literary and symbolic roots and some of its sort of relevances to contemporary politics, but one of the things that's really awesome about one of the many things that's so very awesome about Phantom is that in addition to all that, of course, it also has very deep roots, at least in Western mythology, which makes sense because it was originally created, the original novel in France and then the show in England. Ah, excuse me. Um, and so, yeah, so in honor of sort of Halloween, Samhain, the dark season, I wanted to kind of dig into some of Phantom's very deep 
mythological roots, um, roots in particularly Western classical mythology, because, um, yeah, that's one of the layers that's going on there that makes Phantom so amazing. And because I originally wanted to do this episode for Halloween, I particularly wanted to focus on the Phantom's the character of the Phantoms sort of roots in or connections to death deities, underworld deities. Because, of course, um, yeah, the Phantom echoes or, yeah, the Phantom echoes is or is related to or partakes of a number of, uh, a number of, particularly classical, so Greco-Roman death and underworld deities that kind of, I don't know if they consciously inform the character of the Phantom. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they do, because, you know, Gaston LaRue was an educated man, and as are Andrew Lloyd Webber and Charles Hart, and of course, part of that education probably would have involved studying Greek and Roman mythology um, because that, at least in the English-speaking world, tends to be a fairly common component of, you know, curriculum of, of what you're taught in school, especially um, in what is to what is sort of traditionally considered a sophisticated education, take that for what it's worth. But so, yeah, they, I it, I don't know for sure either way, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if um, Gaston LaRue and Sir Andrew and Charles Hart were exposed to these mythologies and therefore somewhat influenced by them. So, why particularly, I'm going to talk more about Phantom's mythological roots in future episodes because there's definitely one of, there's definitely more to it. One of the things that's really interesting about the Phantom, excuse me, hold on a moment, pause for drink break. Ah, sorry, throat getting dry. One of the things that's really interesting about the Phantom is that he's not a straightforward recapitulation or recreation of, at least the way I read the character of the Phantom. Others may disagree with me on this. He's not a straightforward recreation or recapitulation of any single mythological figure or classical deity. He kind of combines elements of several, um, of several, particularly several classical deities, several figures from, as I said, what, what's considered sort of classical mythology, meaning Greek and Roman mythology. Um, Although he has some interesting connections to deities in at least one other tradition, too. And one of the things that really interests me is seeing if the Phantom can be connected to or has connections to, um, has connections to might be the wrong way to put it because I don't want to culturally appropriate, but sort of maybe has, can be connected to or has resonances with, is a better way to put it, um, deities outside of sort of the Western classical or even the Western tradition. So if folks have thoughts on that, I'd be really interested to hear because particularly for traditions sort of outside the Western orbit, that's not my area of expertise. Um, I don't know very much about that. Um, and also, as I said, I 
want to be very careful of cultural appropriation. But, you know, if others do, are knowledgeable about other traditions and um, sort of feel that the phantom has resonance with or connections to um, deities, sacred beings, mythological figures from other traditions, I would be really interested to hear about that, um, either just casually or here on the show. But as I said, in terms of in terms of classical mythology, so um, Greco-Roman mythology, it seems to me that the Phantom combines a number of um, a number of particularly death deities, sort of underworld deities. Um, and of course, a number of deities around ecstasy in the arts. I'll get to that later, maybe, because I kind of want to wanted to focus on the death deities for now, because Halloween slash Samhain. But I think that's important to bring in, and it's very interesting the way the Phantom combines those two ideas in ways that aren't usually combined, at least not in classical mythology, um, and I would say not usually in Western mythology. So most obviously, um, most obviously the Phantom is kind of, I don't want to use the word recapitulation because it's not that simple, but like his most obvious parallels um, are to the Greek god Hades and to his Roman counterpart Pluto. Um, and I think it's particularly, the parallels to the Roman counterpart Pluto are particularly interesting because at least from what I've read, um, Hades in, because the Romans borrowed heavily from Greek mythology, but, and so people often treat Greek and Roman mythology kind of interchangeably, but there are actually subtle differences between them. They're not exactly precisely identical. Um, and this is one of those interesting, interesting little differences because from what I've read, at least, the Greek god Hades, he's the lord of the underworld, he's the lord of the realm of the dead, but he's not actually the god of death himself. Um, he, he rules the world of the dead, but he isn't actually the bringer of death himself. That's the god Thanatos, who I don't, I'm not terribly, if I'm more familiar with Hades, with the figure of Hades and Thanatos, but it, it doesn't seem to me that the Phantom connects as strongly to, as he does, to the figure of Hades. Whereas in the Roman mythology, interestingly enough, um, Hades and Thanatos kind of get combined into the god Pluto, who is both the lord of the underworld, the lord of the dead, and the Lord of Death itself, the, the, the bringer of death. And I think that's interesting because, as I said, the Phantom has many things in common with both figures. You know, he lives in the underworld, he lives deep underground, and in classic, in, mm, try that again, in classical mythology and in lots of mythologies, but certainly in Greco-Roman classical mythology, the, you might say, topsoil layer of earth where you plant seeds and crops and things was associated with fertility and life, but the deep earth, the deep underground was considered the realm of the dead. Um, you'll sometimes hear the term chthonic used, which um, it comes from a 
Greek word that I can't pronounce, um, and it means the the deep underground, um, you know, deep under the earth, well below planting level, which, as I said, was considered the realm of the dead, ruled in Greek mythology by Hades and in Roman by Pluto. Um, and so you can see the phantom in that already because he lives, you know, deep, deep underground um, in the lair, which can kind of be read as a as a realm of the dead. And of course, um, you know, in the LaRue novel, you know, he's described as a lot of death imagery is used to describe him. Um, you know, he's described as looking like a living corpse in the Larue novel. Uh, now, as I understand it, Hades and Pluto themselves themselves are not described as, you know, looking skeleton. Apparently, I can't talk tonight. Looking skeletal or looking like a corpse. Um, but even so, that sort of skeletal, revived corpse appearance, as well as living deep underground, does kind of associate the phantom with death and with the realm of the dead, um, at least as understood in classical mythology. And the other thing that's interesting, where I think... Um, the Phantom is closer to Pluto than Hades, is that, remember I said before that Pluto kind of combines Hades and Thanatos, so he's both the Lord of the Realm of the Dead and the Lord of Death, the bringer of death. Well, I hate to say it, but <laughs> in a way, the same thing can be said of the Phantom himself, um, because he, you know, lives deep down in and and now that I think about it this uh, you know there are also often I think the Lloyd Webber musical makes some comparisons between his um, between his lair underground and sort of the realm of death hell etc but what's interesting also is not only does he kind of live underground in and sort of rule the this underground realm of the dead, as it were. But of course, he can also be a bringer of death with the chandelier and the Punjab lasso. Um, so in that way, he can be seen as kind of a lord of death, as well as a lord of the dead, lord of the underworld. Ah, sorry. Ah, needed to wet my throat again. So, in addition to that, of course, he, the Phantom, is also very much linked to his whole story, in fact, his and Christine's whole story, in fact is a riff on, at the risk of stating the obvious, is a riff on the legend, the the, the myth of Hades and Persephone, um, Pluto and Proserpina in the Roman version, where Hades, Pluto, the lord of the underworld, falls in love with Persephone, who is, um, or Kore in the Roman version, who is the the daughter of Demeter, and he kidnaps her to the underworld and tries to make her his wife. And there's there's a few different versions. Um, there's a few different versions of the myth in in the sort of classical in the classical Greek version. Basically. Demeter becomes so pissed that she doesn't allow anything to grow, and finally Zeus has to send Hermes down to negotiate with Hades to, to let Persephone out. But in the meantime, he's um, 
quote-unquote tricked her into eating some pomegranate seeds. And so because she has eaten of the food of the dead, she has to stay with him. But, you know, more negotiations are done and they reach a bargain where she spends half the year with her mother above ground and half the year with uh, with Hades underground. And so she becomes the bringer of spring, but she also becomes the bride of Hades, the, the queen, the co-ruler of the underworld. And as I said, you can very much see perhaps how the story of the Phantom is particularly in the LaRue novel where, in fact, Christine goes back and forth between the lair and sort of the upper world a bunch of times between her first captivity and the final confrontation. Um, you can very much see how that's a parallel um, to the story of, of Hades and Persephone. Although, of course, in this case, Christine herself sort of negotiates for her freedom and ends up being, or well, more than negotiate, you know, fights for and eventually arrives at her freedom rather than it being sort of negotiated for her by, because she doesn't have a father like Zeus anymore, um, so she negotiates it herself rather than being a um rather than her freedom being negotiated for her and of course beyond those few visits after the final confrontation at least in canon she doesn't come back but you can see at least how um but yeah, from that you can see at least how Phantom is very much not exactly a straight up recapitulation of the Persephone and Hades story, but definitely a riff on it in which the Phantom, again, as the Lord of the Underworld, um, lures Christine, who kind of embodies Persephone, down down to his lair, um, and wants to keep her there as his as his bride. But she wants well, she and she wants and other forces want to return her to the upper world. So as you can see from all that. Yeah, the Phantom has very strong ties to these death and underworld chthonic deities from classical from classical mythology. And as I said, I doubt that that was consciously intentional because if it was, it probably wouldn't have been done nearly so well. When things like that are consciously intentional, they tend to be much more heavy-handed and tend to be much more heavy-handed and pedantic. Um, and of course, Phantom does this in a way that's very organic to the storytelling and not sort of heavy-handed. And well, I don't think, and I think most fans don't think heavy-handed and pedantic at all. Um, and so, but nevertheless, as I said before, I think it's probably safe to speculate um, that LaRue and Lloyd Webber and Charles Hart probably were familiar with those classical mythologies and probably were at least subconsciously influenced by them. But as I, as I also mentioned before, what's really interesting is the way that the Phantom and his story are not a straight recapitulation. Um, they're more a riff on that actually combines elements of several several different deities, several different myths. Because in addition to his sort of 
resonances with or ties to um, Hades and Pluto and the story of Hades and Persephone. I think you can also make an argument that the Phantom has ties to particular, the, the, particularly the Greek god Eros, who was the god of, well, it's called the god of love, but it's sort of debatable whether it means love the way we understand love or simply sexual passion. But I would say you could make an argument that the phantom has ties to the god, the Greek god Eros, particularly in the myth of Eros and Psyche, which you may or may not be, which folks may or may not be familiar with. Um, and it's interesting the way he, the way the phantom and his story kind of combine the Demeter and the the Hades and Persephone myth with the Eros and Psyche myth uh, to form something kind of new, to form a new sort of hybrid of the two. Um, because in the story of Eros and Psyche, at least as I've been told it, and this will sound very familiar to fans, um, Psyche is a mortal woman who marries the god Eros um and they you know is they're in love and they marry but on one condition which is that she must never look upon his face because he warns her you know i'm a god if you look on my face you won't be able to handle it and of course she does <laughs> she gets curious um one night you know one night she gets curious and lights a candle and looks on his face and the candle flame or a bit of hot wax wakes him up and she finds out and he finds out that she's looked at his face when he explicitly told her not to. Um, and I forget what happens to her after that, but in typical Greek mythology fashion, yeah, there's a like very unpleasant consequence for her for her seeing his face without without his permission. And as I said, this will be, this sort of trajectory will be very familiar to fans, uh, PHAN fans. And what's interesting is that versions of the myth are kind of divided on whether his face was so beautiful that Psyche couldn't handle it or so monstrous that Psyche couldn't handle it. And either way, it's sort of the idea that, um, you know, the, the, the mortal mind can't can't look on the visage of, of a deity and will either perceive something just too beautiful to manage or too mon monstrous to manage and may not even be able to tell the difference. It's simply not comprehensible um, to the mind of a mere mortal. And so, yeah, the phantom, the phantom story brings that myth in too, and kind of interestingly um, combines and hybridizes it with the story of Hades and Persephone. One moment, um, <laughs> drink break. Excuse me, I would normally pause the recording while having something to moisten my throat, but as I said, I can't pause this recording, at least not that I've figured out, because I'm on Zoom. Uh, so sorry about that. Anyway, as I said, I, I find that really interesting, the way Phantom hybridizes and presents a recombin a blended recombination of those two myths. And I would say kind of takes the most powerful elements of both of them and combines them into something new and different. And I must say, 
to me, one of the things that's the most awesome and powerful about Phantom is the way that it takes this hybrid, this this sort of new combination, this new hybrid blend of these two myths and not only makes a new myth, but then makes one that has all these incredible relevances, um, relevances to and resonances with contemporary struggles for justice, uh, particularly around um, embodiment for people whose whose bodies are sort of labeled as abnormal or deviant, um, you know, disabled bodies, queer and trans bodies, etc. Um, as I said, one of the things that is the most fascinating to me about Phantom, and I think is a great deal of why it has the power and longevity and sheer staying power that it does, um, is, as I said, the way it both recombines these two very ancient myths. I mean, we're talking stories that go back several thousand years, at least in Western culture, recombines them into something new and then makes it relevant to these very contemporary issues as well. Um, and sorry about the hanging um, but yeah, I, I think that's um, I think that's a huge part of what gives Phantom the impact that it has. And I'll put uh, sources for all of that. On the episode page, I, I can put links for them on the episode page and also in the blog notes for this episode. So you guys, if you want to, can go check out the information, check out information on the classical myths, on the deities that I'm talking about. There are some very cool websites about them. And sort of look at how... Um, how Phantom puts these two things together. The other thing I came across recently, well, a couple of months ago, that I thought was really interesting and fascinating was, and I have to be careful here because I don't want to culturally appropriate and I don't come from this particular tradition and neither according to their self-identifying and self-reporting uh, did the author of where I found this. But I read a fanfic recently, a really a quite unfortunately unfinished darn, but really quite excellent fanfic recently that drew really interesting connections between the character of the Phantom and the figure of Baron Samedi um, in the Haitian Voodoo tradition. And I thought that was really amazing and fascinating and something I'd really love to know more um, about because it's a connection I would never have spotted. Um, but it's really intriguing. So, and again, I am not, I, you know, I'm, don't practice that tradition, I'm not from that tradition, I'm not from that culture, and neither, according to their self-reporting, is the author of this fanfic. Um, so this is entirely based on research, although it seemed to me, at least from what I could tell preliminarily, fairly good research, thank heavens. Um, but the connections are really interesting that they were that they were able to draw because um from what i've read and if anyone is more knowledgeable about this you know please write into the show and correct me or if anyone sort of is more knowledgeable about this and wants to come on the show and talk more about these connections i totally that would be awesome um because what they were pointing out is that sort of in the Haitian Voodoo tradition, um, Baal Samedi is 
he's basically the lord of sex and death. Um, and like like the LaRue Phantom, he's often portrayed as skeletal, as kind of looking like a resurrected corpse, but a very dapper resurrected corpse in a long coat and top hat. And and he's often sort of associated with music, interestingly, and sort of with the with sort of music musical ecstasy and with sex as well as with death. Like he he's the Lord of Death, but he's also the giver of life. Um because he he's sort of the one who decides who lives and dies. And He's also, um, how can I put this delicately, virile, right? And again, you kind of see that in all versions of Phantom, I think. Um, the Damatos, the Damatos LaRue version kind of downplays this a lot, but if you read the original French or some of the, um, or some of the more modern translations, you see that, um, yeah, as well as sort of being skeletal and corpse-like and living underground as the Lord of the Dead, um, in his own mind, you know, LaRue, Eric, has, well, as Susan Kay puts it, an intense sexuality. You know, and he often makes fairly raunchy comments um, that, as I said, Demaros kind of leaves out, but they're there in the original French and the and in the more modern translation. Things like, you know, when he, when Christine first unmasks him and, you know, he says now that she's seen his face, she can never leave. He makes a joke about how, hmm, I might have to enlarge the coffin um, and other kind of, um, off-color, off-color, uh, maybe that's not a good expression to use, but, you know, kind of um, raunchy or um, some might say kind of inappropriate, but no, raun you know, kind of raunchy, ribald um, comments and jokes like that. And again, that kind of humor, that kind of um, lusty humor and lustiness is again as, as apparently so it's associated um with the Baron Samedi. He likes he likes to, as well as being the Lord of the Dead and sort of the, the, the bringer of death, he is also a deity who likes to have a good time. Um so as I said, I'll put the fanfic and the the, the article that I came across. It's, it's on Wikipedia, but it seems like it's very well researched. Um, I'll put those I'll put those um, on the episode page and in the blog notes for this episode too, so folks can go um, can check that out, check out that connection. Um, and as I said, if anyone out there is more knowledgeable um, about these traditions, more knowledgeable about that connection and sort of wants to come on the show and go deeper into that, I would love that. That would be very cool indeed because, as I said, I hadn't really thought of, I mean, I've been interested for a while in sort of, as I said, looking for ways the Phantom might resonate with mythologies outside the Western tradition, but that connection had not actually occurred to me, and I think it's really cool and interesting. Because, as I said, in certainly in classical Greco-Roman mythology, but I think this I think this holds true in Celtic and Norse. I think I'm safe to say this holds true in Celtic and Norse mythology too. Sex and death are kept separate. So you, you have your death deities, your Lord of the Underworld deities over there, 
And then you have very separate deities of, you know, you have of of um, of sex and passion and love. So you have your your Hades, Thanatos, Pluto over on one side, and then you have your um, Eros slash Cupid, Dionysus, your Apollo um, on the other. And in Western mythologies, they're kept fairly separate, it seems to me. And so I thought it was really interesting to see um, this connection to a sacred being from the Vudun tradition, where they're not separated, where the where the 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 connection between them is explored and is explored and celebrated, and I would have to agree that it is kind of explored and celebrated in Phantom 2 in different ways because of course as I said the LaRue novel you know the LaRue novel presents the Phantom as skeletal and corpse-like and as kind of death living in the realm of the dead with this kind of ribald raunchy humor sometimes the Lloyd Webber version I feel like handles that a little differently. Um, you still definitely have the Phantom portrayed as Lord of Death, Lord of the Dead, in the ways that I mentioned earlier, not only sort of living in this chthonic underground world. And I forgot to mention, of course, that both of in both LaRue and Lloyd Webber, of course, they not only live in this chthonic underground world, but it is, of course, across a body of water, across a lake. Um, and that is very um, right out of the, the classical mythologies as well. Um, in the Greek mythology, at least, like Hades' realm is actually surrounded by four rivers, but traditionally the you know the souls of the dead have to cross one of them the river sticks to transition from the world of the living into the world of the dead and i believe that holds true in roman mythology um as well so that idea of of crossing the water in the boat um to get to the realm of um you know the realm of the dead is right out of like act one scene four is right out of classical mythology it's so cool um that that image of of the phantom punting across the lake to get to his lair is practically right out of classical mythology it is so awesome um with persephone i mean christine in the boat So, yeah, the Lloyd Webber musical portrays the Phantom, you know, as Lord of the Dead, Lord of Death, by having him, you know, live in this chthonic realm underground across across the river and, of course, be a dispenser of death as well. But it also of course, very much emphasizes his sexuality, as I've explored here before, not, and not just in sort of ribald, raunchy humor, it really explores his desire. I mean, you know, act one, scenes four and five, um, the title song and music of the night are really about exploring the phantoms erotic desires so yeah he 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 too um combines the figures of lord of lord of the dead lord of death but also lord of life and vitality and eroticism and sexuality uh particularly well as expressed in straight-up sex, but also in music, 
And so I find it really interesting that in those ways he he can be he can be seen as paralleling or resonating with this figure of Baal Samdi from the Haitian Vudun tradition. Um, I say the Haitian Vudun tradition because that's mostly what I've read um, about. I don't know if that obtains in the um, New Orleans, Louisiana uh, Vudun tradition as well. I've been meaning to read up on that, and I'll be really interested to see if that, if um, you know. He's as prominent of if he balance MD is as prominent a figure there as in the Haitian um as in the Haitian tradition and if he carries those same kinds of um sort of meanings and attributions. But as I said, from from what I've read so far, I think that's really cool the way um the Phantom as sort of Lord of Sex and Death yeah, kind of has you know parallels to and resonances with um, sort of this figure from outside of the white Western world. And again, it makes me wonder what um, what Gaston Larue was exposed to, perhaps through his career as a journalist, because of course. Um, you know, Haiti and France, New Orleans and France even, but particularly Haiti and France, have a lot of history together. Um, <laughs> you know, they, you know, uh, New Orleans was a French colony before it was purchased by the United States. Um dialects of French are still spoken there today. Um, and of course, Haiti was a straight up French colony and, you know, a huge part of its economy until the slaves revol revolted and broke away from France and formed the nation of Haiti. The nation of Haiti was formed from a slave revolt. Um, and then France turned around and did something really awful, which was that at gunpoint, literally at cannon point, uh, they demanded that the, that the newly formed nation of Haiti pay France quote-unquote, well, I don't even want to use the word reparations, but basically pay pay France the for their quote-unquote lost property, meaning their lost slaves. Um, and that's one of the reasons why Haiti is so poor, because it's been in a debt to France that shouldn't have even existed for like a hundred plus years. Um, having to literally, and, and and the French threatened that if Haiti didn't pay France for, or recompense France for the loss of their slaves, they would basically come in with gunships and the military and reconquer. So it was either pay this, it would pay this, you know, extortion really um or be or be reconquered and so yeah haiti and france have deep and unhappy history um together and so i wonder you know i don't know um unfortunately not as i understand it not a lot of gaston larue's um notes and correspondence has survived there apparently there's very little of it left which is really sad because i there's a lot of things particularly about his career as a journalist that i would be really interested to know and that's one of them um you know i would be really interested to know if he was aware of that history and of those um sort of connections between between Haiti and France and maybe some of those um 
spiritual and cultural traditions and if that had any influence um if that had any influence direct or even subconscious on his creation of the character of the phantom um as i said we may never know because his so little of his um unpublished writings notes and, and personal notes and things are still around but to me that's a really interesting question because the parallels and the resonances are so strong and he was known to be a fairly adventurous journalist and to kind of go where other journalists wouldn't to try to get the most interesting and unusual and sort of daring stories so it makes me wonder Ah, excuse me. Sorry, another drink break. I'm also taking the time to rinse a tooth that's kind of pissed off. My bad for eating sugar, actually drinking something with sugar in it, and then not brushing my teeth before I went to bed. I should know better. But, you know, sometimes you get really tired from working late and just drop. Um, anyway... Yeah, so those are some sort of connections that I wanted to explore and that I want to explore further um, between the character of the Phantom, the story of the Phantom, and very and and its sort of roots in various mythologies. Um, that's something I'm hoping to talk about more in future episodes because I think there's you know, perhaps more to delve into there. And as I said, if anyone out there is more knowledgeable about that stuff than me and would sort of like to come on the show and go more in depth about any of that stuff, the classical mythology, the Voodoo connection, or connections between the Phantom and other mythologies from... European cultures or otherwise, that would be really cool and awesome. And as I said, I will put my sources, the, the websites where I read, where you guys, where I read and where you guys can read about the various uh, deities and myths that I'm talking about on the blog page for this episode. And also um, in on the blog pa page for this episode, and also on the actual episode page. Uh, sorry, I almost said that backwards and had to rethink that sentence on the fly. So next month is December is Christmas month. Um, I hope to get another episode out before Christmas, but Christmas tends to be a fairly busy season because Christmas is a really big deal in my family. Um, although it's not going to be as busy this year as it usually would be because I don't know how many of the things that we would usually do are going to be done online instead of in real life this year so we'll have to see um as i said i would love to get another episode out before christmas i'm not sure what it might be yet i have i have some ideas so keep an eye out for what keep an eye out on the twitter the instagram the social media for what those might be and i might put up a sort of psa about that um shortly but i haven't i haven't fully decided yet what i'm going to do for that 
and we'll have to see if uh, the timing cooperates and I'm able to get something out in time. But um, yeah, I hope that I will be able to do that because it would be nice to sort of get one more episode out to tide everyone over through the Christmas, through the Christmas or whatever you celebrate holidays. So in the meantime, I hope everyone has enjoyed this episode in spite of its possible shortcomings um, in terms of sound quality and polish. Um, I hope I'll at least be able to do something about the sound quality for next time because I'm hoping that I will have unpissed off my Bluetooth headset by then. And if I'm really lucky, I'll have figured out what the hell is with my garage band so I can go back to using it the way I used to. Um to record my episode so I can hopefully be a bit more polished about it, but we'll have to see. And as I said, if anybody out there is a fellow Mac user and knows what the hell is with that, why it's doing that, I am totally open to advice here because I cannot figure it out. Um, I I know enough about the tech to kind of muddle my way through doing things like this podcast, but I, tech savvy, I freely admit I am not, um, sadly. I've just never had the time and patience <laughs> uh, to really dig in and, and actually learn it. So, uh, yeah, that's another thing where if someone out there is more knowledgeable about that and... Uh, can sort of set me straight, I would be most grateful. Play. So, as I said, I hope you guys all enjoyed that episode in spite of its possible shortcomings. And I hope you found the exploration of phantom and mythology phantom and death deities in honor of Halloween at least somewhat interesting. And as I said, it, it's uh, not specifically death deities, but at least I do at least want to do one more, at least one more sort of episode like this, hopefully more polished, but exploring what I sort of touched on at the end there, Phantom's connection to deities mythological figures, sacred beings of sort of eroticism and the arts and passion. So hopefully that will be a future episode. And if you enjoyed this one, in spite of its shortcomings, hopefully you'll enjoy that too when I get to it. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of In This Labyrinth, justice from the heart of the Phantom of the Opera, as much as I've enjoyed creating it. And if you'd like to support the show to help cover the cost of stuff like hosting, recording equipment, occasional technical assistance, etc., you can do that at www.patreon.com slash phantomfem that's P-H-A-N-T-O-M-F-E-M-M-E. There are various levels of support that you can pledge at there with different thank you rewards at each level, starting right down at $1 a month to try to keep things as accessible as possible. Plus, pledging on my Patreon gives you access to some of the other work I do around Phantom besides this podcast as well. You can also support the show, of course, by liking, following, and sharing on social media, and by rating and reviewing on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever platform you listen on. 
And all that helps every bit as much as financial support because it helps boost the show and makes it easier for new listeners to find it. And last but definitely not least, you can of course contact me in the show. And I always love hearing from listeners. So you can tweet to at ITL Podcast. You can post or comment either on the Facebook page or in the Facebook group, both of which you can find by searching for the title of the show. You can also post a comment on the podcast website itself, which is at https colon slash slash in this labyrinth dot fireside dot fm slash and finally you can of course send an old-fashioned email to in this labyrinth at yahoo.com and thanks very much for your feedback and support in whatever form because it all really helps keep the show high quality and is all really greatly appreciated so with that I hope you'll join me again next episode. And in the meantime, please stay safe and please help keep everyone around you safe too. Wear your masks, wash your hands frequently, and practice social distancing. Because it literally saves lives. And beyond that, just have a great and phantom-filled time till next episode. Disclaimer. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters and do not reflect the views of the host, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Cameron McIntosh, the Really Useful Group, or any other person or entity. In addition, this podcast is not in any way affiliated with Andrew Lloyd Webber, the Really Useful Group, Cameron McIntosh, or with any other person or entity involved in the production of any version of Phantom.